chapter 8. Um, praise God. Faith will flourish in an understanding heart. I want to say that like, I say that sometimes just to myself, okay? So I'm not trying to be obnoxious by saying it over and over again, but I just, I want to keep repeating that to you. Faith will flourish in an understanding heart. I want you to, I want you to hear the Holy Spirit saying that to you, okay? Because um, what, what we're learning is that um, faith uh, will flourish in an understanding heart, but, but it, it is hindered in a heart that is lacking understanding. And what the Lord is showing me, and um, I'll be honest with you, the countdown for discipleship class was going on, and I'm sitting here typing notes in, in my iPad, waiting, you know, the five minutes there before the countdown goes on this subject, but Romans 12 and 3 says that God's given to every person the measure of faith. Faith is a spiritual substance. It can be measured, it can be dealt, it it can be handed out like like candy. I'm not trying to to disrespect it. I'm just saying, you know, if if Pam gives the kids a a small bag of Skittles on Sunday morning, she has dealt to them a substance, okay? Well, faith is like that. It's a spiritual substance, and God has dealt to every person the measure of faith. And this is what he's showing me, okay? And I, I'm not here to preach on that. We're going to get to this centurion. But let me just put this out there for your consideration, okay? Is that because faith is a spiritual substance, faith corresponds to your spirit. Remember, you are a spirit. You possess a soul. You live in a body. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. Well, we know that faith is a spiritual substance, so think in terms of faith corresponding with the real you, the part of you the Bible calls your spirit. That's where it's deposited. When he dealt it to you, that's where he put it, okay? Now, we know that faith without works is dead. So there has to be, at some point, an action based upon the faith that's in our heart. Am I right about this? I got the right bunch tonight. So faith without works is dead. And so works, actions, corresponds with our body. We know that we flow from the inside out, spirit, soul, and body. If faith is deposited in our spirit, and if it's ever going to be released from our being, it's going to require an action on our part. What's the missing link? The soul, right? So in the same way that, you know, the body is related to faith through action, the soul is connected and related to faith through understanding. Think about when we or somebody from this church goes, uh, or Brother Jerry and Sister Marilyn, what have you, they go to some remote place where people have never heard the name of Jesus a single time, and they tell them about Jesus. Well, Romans 10 tells us that faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, not cometh, cometh was put in there by the translators, the faith that they need to call on the name of the Lord is inside of them. And when they hear the Word of God, what comes through the Word of God? Understanding. See, once somebody hears the gospel message and, and they receive the understanding of what Jesus has done for them, you've got the faith and the Spirit. You've now got the understanding in the heart the mind. Now, if they don't take that next step, right, the action... So do you see how spirit, soul, and body, how these things 
are related. And so we've, we've always taught around here, I say always, for many years we've taught around here that we need to understand the soul as a valve, right? The soul as a valve. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So the, 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 the new birth, the righteousness, the prosperity, the freedom, um, the wisdom, all that's deposited in our spirit as born-again believers because we have a union with, with the source of all of those things. Um, but if, if our souls, right, are not renewed and, and all that, it, it literally, it, it's like shutting off the valve. But a prosperous soul will allow the prosperity and the healing and the wisdom to flow from our spirit through our soul into our physical body and life reality around us. Jesus said, you'll lay your hands on the sick and the sick will recover. It's because the same healing power that flowed out of him into the womb with the issue of blood now resides in you. But, the, but again, if our understanding is counterproductive to that, let's just say it that way, right? If our understanding is like, well, you know, I mean, Sometimes God does, sometimes he doesn't, or there's something magic about the oil or you know, all these other things. No, it's the, it's the healing power of God that, that flows through a person. That's why he said that you would do the works Jesus did in even greater works. The only reason we're not doing those things right now is because we don't have the understanding to, uh, to do those things. Not because we don't have the power or the ability to do it, because we don't have the understanding of it. Now, we were talking about this last week, how, you know, People try to, to um, mimic somebody else's faith, thinking that if they can say what they say and did what they did, that somehow that'll produce results in their lives. But notice what they're trying to do. They're trying to skip over the understanding part. They're just trying to, okay, you know, maybe they understand they have faith, maybe they don't, but we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Notice they're trying to do something outwardly without the understanding inwardly that will release the faith to actually do the job. Is this making sense? Okay, all right. Now, what I'm, I said all that to say, the, the, the more I dig into this, the more I study this, the more I'm seeing the, the importance of understanding you know, when it comes to the, the operation of our faith. The, the working of our faith. Um, and so let's get right into what we've got for tonight, okay? Matthew chapter 8 and um, verse number 5. It says, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and the servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Pay close attention to the first part of verse 9. I also am a man. So he, he's recognizing that Jesus is like him in the sense that Jesus is under a, a greater authority that's empowering him to speak to demons and sicknesses, and demons and sicknesses are doing what he says, okay? Verse 10, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel, okay? We skip down to verse 13, then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way, and as you have believed, 
so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Now, we've pointed this out a time or two that, first of all, he's talking about what the centurion believed. The centurion didn't really say anything about believing per se. He didn't use the words faith or believing or in the name of Jesus or any, you know, and all these things that we think have to be you know, connected to this if it's going to work. We don't see any of that in the centurion. But what we do see is an understanding that allowed his faith to produce this kind of result. An understanding that allowed his faith to, to project and display in such a way that it caused Jesus to marvel. All right? Now, if I comment on all these again, we're not going to get to where we need to be tonight. But what we've been doing, and if you're new to the study, um, either in the room or online, you can go back and look because we've you know, commented on these you know, over the past few weeks. But we've, with the Holy Spirit's help, we've looked at what it is this centurion understood that maybe other people didn't understand. Not just in his day, but maybe other people don't understand in our day. And so the first thing we said is that it seemed logical to the centurion that Jesus would do for his servant what he had freely done for many others. In other words, that was his understanding. He just... It, it, it wasn't like he was trying to muster something up here. He's like, you know, if Jesus did it for other people, then surely he'll do it for my servant as well. Now, that may sound so simple to you, but you'd be amazed at how many people do not have this same understanding when it comes to healing. In other words, they read about healing in the Bible. They may even hear uh, other people testify of, of being healed, but they, their understanding is just because he did it for somebody else, that doesn't mean he'll do it for me. But for the centurion, it just seemed logical that Jesus did it, would do it for his servant it, it, because you know, he's freely done it for many others. Okay? The centurion understood, number two, that Jesus was not acting alone. That Jesus was not acting alone. Number three, the centurion understood the king and kingdom Jesus represented wanted people healed and had the power to carry it out. That, that, that this was something that he... Um, wanted done. It, it wasn't like he's like, oh my goodness, another sick person. Are you kidding me? No, it was he. It, it was something that was a part of. And, and of course, we looked at a lot of verses where that's concerned. All right, number four, the centurion understood the authority Jesus was under gave him authority over sickness and disease. He he, he recognized that Jesus again wasn't acting alone. That Jesus was submitted to an authority that then gave him authority. Remember, Father has been trying your whole life to get you under, to get me under who and what we're supposed to be under so he can put us over who and what we're supposed to be over. You've got to be under if you're going to be over. And we talked about how you know, Jesus saw things and looked at things in, in light of um, you know, the authority that he had uh, and that he didn't see himself as less than sickness and disease, but he saw himself as greater than. All right. Now, number five, it was inconceivable to the centurion that a subordinate would not obey a superior because he recognized that Jesus had authority over the sickness and disease in the same way that he had authority over the soldiers that were under him. Notice now his understanding was that if Jesus, all he has to do is say it, and, um, and, it'll, and it'll be carried out because, again, inconceivable to the centurion that, that a subordinate would not obey a superior. Now, 
I'm not going to turn to these verses. Maybe you're, I'll just, well, I'll put them up on the screen right quick. Mark 3.27, no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he'll plunder his house. And then Luke um, 11, 20 through 22, he's, Jesus speaking, he says, If I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. So this is just further supporting this point. I know we already made this point. Is, is that the centurion recognized that Jesus was over these things and although sickness and disease were strong, Jesus was stronger and that he had the authority with the word to bind the strong man. Now, this is where we were last week. Number six, it was inconceivable to the centurion that a subordinate would delay obedience to a superior. That a subordinate would delay obedience, not just that they would refuse to obey a superior, but that they would drag their feet about it, that they would, um, you know, get around to it at some point. See, again, this was, this was inconceivable to the centurion. Now, remember, this centurion's servant is not just feeling bad. He's on his deathbed. Um, he, he is at the point of death. And if something doesn't happen, like, really quick-like, um, this servant that it was very near and dear to him is is going to die so there's an urgency to this it's not like look you know i mean he's had this problem for a bunch of years and jesus if you know if you're ever in the neighborhood swing by and see if you might no no this is like urgent um this is you know life and death a physical life and death um that that's you know involved here um but even then when this when jesus agrees to go to his house the centurion says, it's not necessary. If you will speak the word, um, my servant will be healed. Okay, um, And so the implication is there because of the urgency is that he will be healed and he will be healed immediately. Um, you know, he, he will be healed and not die. Now, I know I've said something about this before, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to say it again, and we're going to even dig a little deeper tonight. Um, here is... There's all, there's all kinds of, uh, what, what's the right word I'm trying to, you know, there's just all kinds of ways that you can preach a message. Um, I, I, I said something the other day because a lot of the men and women, they leave the foundry, you know, they phase, go phase five, they go to different, go back home and that sort of thing. And, and a lot of them ask me about, you know, we need to find a good church and, and, and this sort of stuff. And so, you know, one of the things that I was telling them, I said, look, you know, you want to find a pastor that'll stretch you a little bit. Um, I said, you know, if, if you go to a church and, and all the pastor ever tells you are things that you can learn from Andy Griffith, then maybe, you know, and I, so I was just, you know, well, anyway, this, this guy, he came up to me after class. He says, I went to church on, on a Sunday. I had a pass. I, was, I went to church. He said, and the whole sermon was about not gossiping. And I thought, you know what? I could have learned that from Andy Griffin. Amen. Is it Griffin or Griffith? It's Andy Griffin, isn't it? Andy Griffith? Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Mayberry dude. All right, okay, all right. So, you know, you've got different levels and degrees and depths and, um, of things. Now, here, here it is, though. When, when we start talking about the way we understand something, 
um, you have a tendency to kind of get a little close to home with folks. In other words, we, we have a tendency to, to guard pretty closely the way I understand it, the way I see it. And so you start poking around in that, you, you know, you can kind of turn some people off and offend them rather quickly. That's not what I'm trying to do, but listen to me. Listen to me, please, okay? If, you know, if, if what I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to us is true, then if, if we're going to take some of these next steps and move into some of these next levels of operating in faith, then there are some things about our understanding that are going to have to be corrected. There, there, are, there are ways that we understand things that are not allowing our faith to flourish, but there are ways that we understand things that are causing our faith to, to be hindered, if not um, uh, prevented from functioning in our lives at all. Okay, Now, I've seen this in my own life, and I've also seen it in the lives of other people, where we can have great understanding in one area of our life from the Word of God, and faith can flourish in that area, but not have the same kind of or the same level of understanding when it comes to another area of our lives, and it seems like faith doesn't phase it at all. Okay, Now, one of the real, uh, I think, uh, classic examples of this, and, and I've seen this again in my life and other people's lives, is when we have um, a real understanding of what the Bible says about finances, about tithing, about giving. It's one of those things in the scriptures where he actually puts a number on it, 10%. He says, prove me in this. And, you know, we, we ever get up enough courage to write that first check and then that second check and then that third check. And then we start seeing the results. It's amazing how quickly our understanding in the area of, of, of the godly you know, management of our finances can develop and, and faith starts working in that area of our lives. And next thing you know, man, we start prospering and developing, right? So that's wonderful. But the same measure of faith that's producing the financial results in your life can and will produce results in areas like of healing, uh, physical healing, uh, areas like, um, you know, you being used by God to minister to other people in different ways and, th and things of this nature. So what's the difference? Why can we flourish in, in one area of our life uh, by faith, but another area of our life, it, it, it just seems like we're, we, we keep hitting a, a brick wall. <laughs> faith, the measure of the faith is the measure of the faith is the measure of the faith. The difference is the understanding. Are, are you seeing this? Man, I, I just... I, the Lord has just been so good to me I, you know it's I, I mean the things that he's I mean it's like oh praise God you know the spirit of your mind your self-image understanding I just feel like he's given us answers that we have been seeking and pursuing and going after and it's like man I cannot tell you what it's doing to me on the inside of me right and so this is an area, I think, right along with the first one, you know, that people understand that God, their understanding, it's wrong, but they understand that, well, God heals somebody, but, you know, it's not my time, you know, maybe one of these days, you know, this kind of thing. And so this brings us to um, this whole issue of timing. Now, we said that there are certain aspects of our lives and God's plan for our lives that do involve timing. 
But there's three areas that I am so confident in that I can tell you straight up right now, you do not have to wait. You never have to wait. And if you think you have to wait in order to receive one of these three things, then that understanding is going to prevent your faith from enabling you to to lay hold of and receive these things. The first one is salvation. The second one, and and there's... the only one that comes in this order is you never have to wait to be saved, okay? And then after you're saved, you never have to wait to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's right here, right now. And there are a lot of people, if you've ever heard Keith Moore, he, he preached on this recently, um, I don't know, sometime in March on, a, on their Friday night service, and he was talking about um, all those years in the Pentecostal church he was raised in in Mississippi, you know, just... Hours and hours and years and years of begging God to fill him with the Holy Spirit. And, and he, never, he never realized that, you know, he would be the one that speaks the words and that it wasn't something you have to wait for, you know, all these other things. And so, again, you never have to wait to be saved. You never have to wait to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you never have to wait to be healed. Never. Never. Now, see, again, just me saying that. I'm not saying necessarily anybody in this room, but I know that there are folks who will be so offended at me. They, they, you know, you don't know what I'm going through. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm trying to offend you. I'm trying to, I'm trying to help you, okay? I'm trying to help me. I'm trying to help me. Let's, let me, I'll just talk about me, okay? How about that, you know? Because I, I have in the past, man, I've like, well, you know, one of these days, Lord, you know, one, well, this and that, and I know one day, Lord, no, see, again, the, the enemy, that's a, that's a wrong, I, I can't even really, maybe the enemy's behind it, maybe he's not. It's just how I understand it. A lot of times it's just religious tradition. So we, th- we say things like, in the Lord's time, one day I'm going to get healed. You know, and, and again, if you believe you've already received, the Bible says you, you will have what you have believed. Now, I want you to uh, turn with me. Remember, by his stripes you were healed, First Peter two twenty four. Okay, now go with me to Luke the thirteenth chapter. Luke chapter thirteen. Praise God. All right, we're we're in a good time flow now as far as the time we got left. All right, Luke chapter thirteen. <clears throat> Let's look at this. Praise God. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. So a synagogue, you've got the temple. Um, but then you've got like what we would think of, and it's not the same, but it's really close. It'd be like a local church. So they had these different synagogues that were in these different cities and towns and, and what have you. So Jesus was in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, because there's a lot of synagogues. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. Not you will be loosed. He said you are loosed from your infirmity. And notice he, did, he said that and then laid hands on her. And he laid hands on her and eventually she was made straight. And three weeks later, it got a little better. No, it says, and immediately she was made straight 
and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, so now watch this. See, Jesus just healed this woman. There's a whole lot of folks that are present in the synagogue. He's going to address the crowd. He's fixing to set Jesus straight, but not address Jesus. He's going to set Jesus straight by addressing the crowd. And he says to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. So what is he saying? He's saying, it's okay if, I'm, if, 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 if this woman needs to be healed, just not today. <laughs> not today. Another day, but not today. She, she can come on Monday, she can come on Tuesday, she can come on Wednesday, just not today. Okay? Well, how many of you know you don't, you don't do Jesus like that? The Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound. Who bound her? Satan has bound her. Think of it. He's emphasizing it now. 18 years, this woman could not straighten up. For 18 years, she was bent at the waist. For eight, Can you imagine trying to use the restroom, not being able to straighten up, to sit down? Can you imagine trying to sleep? Can you imagine how her neck must have hurt her trying to see what was going on around her, being bent over at the waist? Jesus says, think of it now. He's, at, he's saying, put yourself in this woman's position for a moment. Okay? For 18 years... Satan has bound her. She's a daughter of Abraham, which means she has a covenant of healing with Jehovah God. So ought not this woman be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Now, a few things I want us to kind of scratch around in here for a minute. All right, first of all, it's pretty obvious Jesus healed her immediately. And he healed her immediately when religious tradition said he should have put it off until another day or another time in the future. When the religious establishment called him out on it, he called hypocrite. Because he basically says, sir, when you leave here today, you're going to go home and you're going to untie your donkey and you're going to walk it over to the water trough. You're going to loose your donkey and you're going to make sure that it's cared for. This is a daughter of Abraham and you don't think any more highly of her than that. You, you see what he's saying here, right? Okay. Now, here is the thing that I want to begin to shift our understanding. Okay. According to Jesus, who healed her immediately, according to the way Jesus understood this situation, the Holy Spirit will help you. 
See, we, we want to understand things the way Jesus understood them. All right? So how did Jesus... We see how religion understood it. Religion said, okay, yeah, maybe later. See, that, that to me is how so many people in our world today... Christians in our world today, believers in our world today, understand healing. That God says, okay, yeah, but just not today. Okay? No, Jesus says, not only today, right now. She's been this way for 18 years. She doesn't need to wait another minute. That's, that's Jesus' understanding, right? This is how Jesus understood it. Okay? Jesus knew he was fixing to take some heat because of what he was about to do. And he already knew how he was going to explain it. And so by the time Jesus got through explaining it, I want you to notice, he said that not only is it wrong for this woman not to be healed immediately, that it's both shameful and hypocritical for her not to be healed immediately. Think about what he's saying right there. Now, would Jesus say it's shameful, it's hypocritical, you care more about your animal than you do about a person that's suffering. She shouldn't wait another minute. She should be healed immediately. She shouldn't have to wait another two or three days. Think of, or how about this? Anybody ever had an excuse not to show up at synagogue? This woman did. Think of the effort that it took for her to get there. Right? And Jesus is like, no, we're not going to take care of this later. We're going to take care of it now. Okay? If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. So why do, why do we think that he somehow has a different opinion about it now? Why do we think he's, he has a different understanding of it now? When he was on the earth, he said, no, we're not waiting another minute. And healed her immediately and said it was shameful and hypocritical to make somebody wait for healing. But now, all of a sudden, the religious, traditionally religious world says that this is how God understands, this is how God operates, that he's telling everybody to wait. I'm crying foul. So religious tradition has, has, has wrongly contaminated and influenced our understanding of these things. From Jesus, we understand healing is not something that needs to be waited for could it be that a different understanding of these uh, things has been a huge problem for us when it comes to receiving healing do you see how an understanding of healing that includes things like healing is not for today do you realize how many people in the body of christ today their understanding of healing and miracles i'm talking about born again people if the trumpet sounded tonight they'd be in heaven but their understanding of healing includes healing is not for today or their understanding of healing is healing is not for everyone or their understanding of healing is one day I will be healed or their understanding of healing is I'm waiting on God to heal me these are pretty popular arguments these are pretty popular doctrinal positions okay I want, you to, I want you to compare that to all the verses I'm about to put on this screen behind you. Are you ready? Okay. And I'm going to go through them kind of quick like. All right. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 3. Then Jesus put, his hand, put out his hand and touched him and saying, I stumbled out of the gate, didn't I? Praise God. All right. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him saying, 
I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Matthew 20, 34. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes. And immediately, their eyes received sight and they followed him. Mark 1, 31. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately, the fever left her and she served them. Mark 1, 42. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Mark 2, 12. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Mark five twenty nine. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Mark five forty two. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. Mark ten fifty two. Then Jesus said, Go your way, your faith has made you well, and Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Luke 1 64. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed and he spoke praising God. Luke 4 39. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it left her and immediately she arose and served them. Luke 5 and 13. And he put out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him. Luke 5, 25, immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on and departed to his own house glorifying God. Luke 8, 44, came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. Luke 8, 47, now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. Then Luke 8.55, then her spirit returned and she arose immediately and he commanded that she be given something to eat. Luke 13.13, and he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Luke 18.43, and immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people when they saw it gave praise to God. John chapter 5 verse 9, and immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked and that day was the Sabbath. Acts 3, 7. Whoa, now. Jesus is where now? Jesus is in heaven. What happened in Acts 3, 7? And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Acts 9 and 18. Immediately there fell from his eyes like scales, something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. And then Acts 9, 34. And Peter said to him, Aeneas... Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose. Come on, somebody say it. Immediately. Now, I'm well aware that some of these in the Gospels were, you know, the same miracle. But I started to take them out and just include, you know, all the individual miracles. But it's like, the, it's like the Holy Spirit said, no, no, I, put them all in there. Because I wanted people, when this was written, to know and become familiar with and have an understanding of healing as being immediately. This was how Jesus understood it. And if it's how he understood it while he was here, it's how he still understands it now. Amen. Amen.
I, I gave this scenario last week, so I'm not going to try to go over it again, but notice we believe that when somebody calls on the name of the Lord to be saved, that they're saved immediately. Right? I mean, it, that's... <clears throat> why do we believe that? We believe that because that's how we understand it. I'm just, I'm just trying to show you here. We have an understanding that says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We have an understanding that says... Um, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, um, you'll be saved. That's, we, we understand that. Um, if, if, now, I know there's some folks that have some weird beliefs that don't line up with the Scriptures, but if somebody was to tell you that you fill out the triplicate paperwork and submit it, like sending in some form to the IRS, and God will get back with you within 90 days on whether or not you're saved. We, 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 no, that's not how it works. Why are we saying that's not how it works? Because we understand how it works. We understand that when a person calls on the name of the Lord, that they become a new creation in Christ Jesus. See, that's our, our understanding. It's so easy to say, yeah, but that's what we believe. But notice because our understanding is right, our faith flows in that area. But now we come over to, to other things. And it's, it's not just healing, but again, this is, this is such a, a key factor because the same blood that saved us is the same blood that healed us, right? The same blood that took away all our sins, the same blood that took away all our sickness and disease. Which is easier, what Jesus asked, to, to say your sins are forgiven or to take up your bed and walk. No, he didn't say, he didn't say which is harder, which is easier. And, and for the record, ever the religious establishment that was watching him that day believed the forgiving of the sins was harder. They believed healing was easier than forgiven sins. That was their understanding. Could it be that we're not seeing the manifestation of healing in our lives and in the lives of the people that we minister to because our understanding is off where these things are concerned, that it's been tainted, it's been contaminated, that religion and, 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 and the same spirit that spoke through that ruler of the synagogue on that day that said it's okay to heal, just not now, could it be that elements of that have infiltrated our understanding to the point now that we believe we pray and then wait to see what will happen perhaps in, in the future as opposed to believing that healing is just as immediate as salvation. Stand with me, praise God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Yes, no, maybe, or is this making sense to you at all? Are you understand what I'm saying? It's like the more I was reading the Gospels, the more I kept seeing that word immediately. 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 I started highlighting it. I just, you know, I digital and I just click on it and highlight it, click on it, highlight, click on it, highlight it. And I'm like, you find one situation where Jesus prayed for a man that was blind. He said, I see men as trees walking. And Jesus said, well, that's an improvement. No, he said, come here. And prayed for him again, and the man could see perfectly. So that's the, that is the only 
Um, please, I, I, I'm not trying to offend. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm not trying to offend anybody. Okay? You know, God will meet you where you are from faith to faith. And, I, and I'm a firm believer in that. If you can't believe for healing, can you believe to get a little bit better today and a little bit better tomorrow? It, it, I'm not saying that's wrong or bad or incorrect. But that's not what we understand from Jesus about healing. It just simply isn't. So my challenge for us, and it begins with me, is let's, let's quit. Let's quit thinking about healed one day, going to get healed, timing, just waiting on the Lord. And I'll see again. Brother Copeland says, and I see it so bears witness to my spirit. It's not a cop-out for someone praying. If, if you're praying for somebody to be healed, this is not a cop-out. But this will get you a lot closer to operating in, the, in, in, in ministering healing to other people. He said... That healing always comes. It may not always be received, but it always comes. Okay, amen. Thank you, Jesus. It always comes. Amen. With you and me, born-again believers, every time we pray for somebody to be healed, healing is there. Amen. Now, their understanding of it may prevent it from flowing into them. But it's always there. Amen. Father, you're good to us. We love you. Father, thank you for loving us enough to help us and teach us and reveal hidden things to us. And Father, for, for that one that, you know, may be listening to me right now that's had chronic back pain or you know, some kind of issue with, uh, um, you know, their hip or uh, some kind of other chronic illness or sickness, Lord. Father, I'm, this isn't about any kind of shame or condemnation. Um, Lord, this, this is about um, allowing you to bring our understanding into alignment so that the faith that we have will flourish and produce the results that only you and faith in you can produce in our lives. And so, Lord, I thank you that you're helping us and you're, you're good to us and you're, you're showing us some things, trusting us with some things. And we, we believe, Father, um, we believe, we agree, we say yes and amen to immediately. In Jesus' name, praise God. Thank you so much for being here uh, tonight. Good things coming for uh, you and yours. I didn't mention this earlier, and I probably should have. appreciate you keeping my dad in your prayers um his brother donald uh went home to be with the lord what sunday night dad i guess it was and so anyway that funeral will be tomorrow and so um that's my dad's uncle donald